Well, Christmas is a time of joy. It's, it's a time to celebrate. How many of you are thankful this morning for Jesus? Man, me too. I, those songs remind me of how grateful we need to be. And in our culture, we have so many different traditions for how we celebrate Christmas. We love to, we love to celebrate Christmas. I love to celebrate Christmas. And one of the biggest traditions that that almost all of us have in common this time of year is that tradition of giving gifts, giving gifts to those who are around us. And if you notice, there seems to be every year there's this list of, of must-have gifts that, that everyone just needs to have. And, and more importantly, the children in the room, or the children in the other room over there, they have their list of things that they cannot wait to get, or that they're asking for every year at Christmas. And it's always interesting to me to see what items people absolutely cannot go without, to see what's in highest demand each year. So here are are five big picks from this year's top 45 must-have gifts for children. And so the first one is this. It's the, I've got to read this because it's, it's kind of impressive. If you don't know what this gift is called, it's the little LOL surprise OMG sports diva fashion doll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whoever is, whoever was in charge of naming this toy, they, they need some help. I mean, I could do a better job than that. The second one is this, the Melissa and Doug's Let's Play House set. The description for this toy says, this item will inspire your children to use their imagination and strengthen their sense of purpose. How many of you wish that your teenage children would have that same kind of thought? How about this one? This is the tea turtle reversible octopus plushie. Let's listen to this description. I thought this was very interesting. These adorable octopus plushies took TikTok by storm earlier this year, and as a result became nearly impossible to find. But now they're back in stock. And not only are they super, they are, not only are they super cute, but kids can flip them around to match their mood. Whether they're feeling happy or upset, this tea turtle will represent them fairly. Number four is the squeaky balloon dino toy. And this description I actually thought was much better. Squeaky has more than 70 sounds and reactions to which every parent started like rocking in their seat <laughs> this morning. He can do things like roar and dance, stop and even play tug of war with his bone squeaker. But if you roar too loud at him or you pull his tail, he may pop. But don't worry, he'll inflate again when you pump his tail. I was like, wow, these are, these are good, these are good. And then for the babies, we have Gund, the baby animated. And that's a name for a, to for a toy. I, baby, Gund, baby animated. It just doesn't even flow very well. But you press one button and Gund will teach your kid how to blow kisses and he also, she also sings. I just thought that was interesting. Those are the top five must-have 45 gifts this year for children. Now, as Christ followers, as Christians, we know that, we know that Christmas and this holiday of Christmas, it's, 
It's not really about gifts. We know that. We don't really need to be reminded of that this morning. That we could never receive another gift and truly be okay. But gift giving is usually observed and it's, and it actually, it's, it's a lot of fun for, for, for many of you. It's, it's a blast to watch the people you love open gifts that you got just for them, that you thought of them and, and you got them something very special. And receiving gifts is, it can be just as fun, especially for your children, and especially if your love language, if you know the five love languages, especially if your love language is gifts. It's not mine, so I could care less, but my wife, it's really, it's higher on her list of things, so she likes gifts. But for some of you, it's, it's not a super joyful time of the year. That maybe you're sitting here this morning and you would trade every single gift that could possibly be on the floor, under the tree on Christmas morning for just the presence of someone that you love. Maybe they were here last year, but this will be your first Christmas without them. Or maybe someone you love lives too far away to come back home and, and, and you just can't go visit them. Or maybe they're serving overseas in the military. And just having them near, just having them by your side would be the greatest gift that you could ever and would ever receive. You see, the season is surrounded by a lot of different emotions. There are happy emotions and there are deeply sorrowful, sad emotions. And that's why remembering what Christmas is all about is so important. And so as we enter this Christmas season together and, and, and all of the celebration and we, we should celebrate, we want to take a moment and we want to just as a church, we want to take some time to refocus, to recenter, and let us remember and never forget that the greatest gift ever given to us and the world was the gift of Jesus. Now that can be so easy to dismiss because we simply just know that to be true, right? Like we say that that is the truth, that yes, the greatest gift is Jesus because we hear it so much this time of year. But, but I think we should make a conscious choice to keep that truth in the forefront of our minds as we move forward in this Christmas season. So today, as Pastor Michael already mentioned, we're starting a brand new series called Bring. And here's the big idea of this first message, that, that God brought us something that we truly couldn't live without. The world may tell us that there is life in all the things that it offers, but it never truly, it never really promises on what it says it's going to deliver. Jesus is the greatest gift that we've ever been given, and I think any Christian would agree with me on that truth this morning. But I know in my heart that I need to be reminded of this so often. And I, I, think, I think we all do. I think we can all get a little bit distracted by the things that surround the Christmas season. And not all those things are bad. But we see that God, God is good. And God is a bringer. He is a gift giver. So turn in your Bible to John chapter 1 if you're not already there this morning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... John was a disciple of Jesus, and he writes in this letter how God became man and was born on this earth. Now, usually this time of year, and maybe you're doing this, maybe you're reading through the book of Luke, 
a chapter a day for this month, maybe. I don't know. But Luke is, is the version that gets the, the Christmas story that gets the most airtime during this time of the year. It's where Jesus, it's where he begins with the time and the place of Jesus' birth and the way that we're all used to. And when you read John, when you read the Gospel of John, it doesn't really sound like at first he's telling the Christmas story. And when John talks about the entry of Jesus into this world, he doesn't just go back to this place in history, this, this time when Jesus was born, but he goes all the way back to before time even began. I want you to look at verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, John doesn't use the name of Jesus here. He uses a different term to describe him. He uses the, the term, or the, 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 the word, word. But this is a direct reference to Jesus. This word is, is lagos in the Greek, and it can be translated like this. It's, it's, a, it's a description or it's a declaration of a, a single thought or a grand thought, and it's an embodied, an embodied idea. And so when you speak a phrase after you think of something, that's how this word is used. It's, it's an expression that is out loud of something that is a thought. That's what the word or logos means. So John is saying that Jesus is this expression, this physical expression of God himself. Jesus is the word. He is God. But we're going to take this just a little bit deeper for just a moment. John tells us that the word logos was God or was theos. John is, is making it very clear that Jesus is divine. He's highlighting his, his deity. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And every year, every single year, when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating his presence. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Look down at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. I want you to think back to a time when you received a gift that was that meant something to you. It was precious to you. And what made that gift so meaningful? I can think of several gifts that I've received over the years that, 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 that meant something to me. And I think most of us would agree that some of the most priceless gifts that we have received are the ones that someone actually put some thought into. You see, when someone shows thoughtfulness, it communicates a great deal of value to the person who's receiving the gift. To know that someone noticed something that would bring you joy, and then they didn't just notice something about you, but they maybe they had to save some money, or they maybe had to sacrifice something, and they planned ahead so that they could give you this thing that they knew that would make you so happy. As opposed to the process, and this is how I usually function, if you 
if you ask Brittany, this is how I usually function. Why don't we just stop at Lowe's and go to that big kiosk with all the gift cards and just grab a quick gift card and then we're good to go. Now, I say that because that's truly what I'd like to get. But it means so much more when someone gives a gift that is thoughtful and when it communicates value. You see, thoughtfulness communicates value when giving a gift. To the one receiving it, it gives significance and it gives great meaning. And this is one of the things that John is drawing our attention to as he tells us about the coming of Jesus into the world. The gift of Jesus was not this last minute while he's on the way to the world kind of gift. He wasn't just thinking of anything. He didn't just look down and, and say to himself, man, this world is messed up. This world is crazy. It's, I guess I should probably go down there and do something about it. Jesus, why don't you go down there and take care of the mess? It wasn't just this, this last minute thing. It was a planned thing. And it was planned from the very beginning. John lays this out for us back in verses 3 and 4. He says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, if we were to take the time this morning to go all the way back to the actual beginning, the beginning of, of time as we know it, in the book of Genesis, we see in Genesis 1 and, and 3 that... We actually see the beginning of the Christmas story. So what happened in Genesis? We know that Adam and Eve sinned, and sin would spread to and through everything. And now the entire earth is under this curse of sin. And although Jesus is a part of the Trinity and has existed forever, this is where we see the first glimpse of Jesus in our Bibles, in Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis 3.15, we see a prophecy where God is is speaking to the serpent. He's, he's speaking to Satan, and he says, the seed of the woman will crush your head. Jesus will come, and he will defeat death. This is the first promise of, of Christmas in the third chapter of our Bibles. The seed of the woman is an interesting phrase because it's, it's not a phrase that, that you see often in Scripture. Whenever seed is connected to offspring, it's, it's always in reference to the man. So-and-so was the seed of so-and-so, and it goes on and on. It's always in the masculine form in the Hebrew language. But here, why is it the seed of a woman? Well, we know. Because Jesus didn't have an earthly biological father. As we will read, and as if you take the time to read these things if you Google it, if you spend some time looking at the prophecies of Jesus, you will see that there are so many that directly point to the virgin birth of Jesus. And this is the first one right here in Genesis 3. You see, God planned for Christmas. This is the point. Right from the very beginning, God had us. He had you in mind. And because of the fall of man in the garden, he saw our need as fallen humans for a savior. And instead of just leaving us needy and hopeless, he spoke hundreds of prophecies. And they declare that there is something that is going to happen. Something is going to change. Someone is coming. 
And one of the most popular prophecies that we read just a few moments ago in Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. So God says, I I know you're suffering. I know that I know that you're you're living in this world and there seems to be pain and drama and trauma and hopelessness. But Jesus is going to come and he's going to take care of all of that. He's going to take that suffering that there is someone who is going to come and he is going to take your transgressions and he's going to be pierced for them. That someone is is coming and he is going to take upon himself the punishment that you and I, that we deserve. And it's going to bring you peace. A peace that passes all understanding. Someone is going to come and when he comes he will be wounded so that you can be healed. And then one night some shepherds are wandering around In the pasture, they're watching their sheep, and an angel appears to them, and he says, a Savior has been born, that someone has come, and he is Christ the Lord. You see, with the birth of Jesus, we we see that God has been preparing something very, very personal, a very thoughtful and sacrificial gift, and he's been planning it since the very beginning. In my study Bible, I I read this this phrase. It says, when significant sacrifice is required, it makes a thoughtful gift even more precious. That when you receive a gift that, that you know that someone has sacrificed precious time for, those gifts just mean a lot to us. They mean so much because we all know how hard it is to put others first. It's not easy to put others first. We all know what kind of sacrifice it can require of us to be generous people. And this time of year, I'm often confronted, and maybe you are too, of how selfish I can truly be. So when something significant is done for me that someone sacrificed for, it's even more meaningful. And that's what Jesus did. He lived his life on this earth in a way that modeled for each and every one of us what it looks like to give in a way that is sacrificial. We see this in Philippians 2, if you're not familiar with that story, where Paul is writing about the humility of Jesus. And I would encourage you to read Philippians 2 this week. But in Philippians 2, it talks about this, where he describes how when Jesus came to this earth, he emptied himself out and he made himself absolutely nothing. He poured himself out for you. And when he did this, he he didn't just talk about it. Jesus didn't just walk the streets of Jerusalem. He didn't just walk the streets of this earth just talking about how he was going to model the love and the sacrifice of God. No, no, he, he did model it. He put action to it. He set an example for how we should love one another. That when we give sacrificially to others, and certainly not just in gift giving, by the way, we reflect Jesus. There's a story about a young woman in Columbus who was working her shift later at night at a local restaurant. And a couple, a husband and wife, came in for dinner. And when the night was over, 
they, they tipped the young waitress $1,000. The waitress would later write that the man's act of kindness, the couple's act of kindness, was some sort of miracle because she was struggling to pay bills that month and wasn't sure how she was going to make it, but the couple wasn't done. They later bought a $30 bottle of wine and left a $970 ticket, or a tip on that receipt as well. You see, why does a story, and why do stories like that that make us smile and make us feel something? I think because for, for Christians specifically, it's for me on a small earthly scale, it's, it reflects the story of the gospel. That God sees our condition. He actually knows that we're hurting. He actually knows that we're broken and that we're lost. And he notices it and he, and he extends his love to us and he cares. He wants to do something about it. So he takes our place. He takes your place. It's a miracle. He does this so that you can, can know real hope and live life eternally in heaven. Jesus left heaven for a dirty stable and makes it clear that you matter. Now, I don't often say that I, I love a ton of things about Christmas music. And God's been changing my heart on that <clears throat> over the last couple of years. But there is a line from O Holy Night that I think is so good. I've shared this before, but it says, He appeared and the soul felt its worth. That's Christmas. If you could boil all of this down this morning to one simple phrase. It's, he appeared and my soul has felt the worth of that appearing. So John tells us how big this appearing is, this gift. Verse 12 describes the fact that this gift is one that needs to be received. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This word receive in the Greek, it means to take up, take upon oneself, to admit, lay hold of, or to receive what is given. It's a full embrace. It's, it's not something that we, that we receive with reluctance. We fully embrace this gift as Christ followers. It's, it's not a contract. You don't have to, to sign anything. You don't have to necessarily give something up. You don't have to give your, your favorite you know, coffee drink up to follow Jesus. It's free. It's a gift. And this was the greatest gift ever given. Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. And it's simple, isn't it? You see, theologically, it's not more complicated than that. Now, I could use a lot of really big words right now, and we could, we could do a thesis on all of these things right now, but it's really just that simple. Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. Something else about this beautiful free gift from God means that we must acknowledge something about ourselves that is often hard to admit. It's the fact that we are broken and that we are hopeless and we are truly lost without him. 
You see, being able to enjoy his presence means that we have to be honest about the desperate need that we have in our lives that only Jesus can fill. To all who did receive him, receive the right to be called children of God. Now, if you're here this morning and you've been saved, you've called on Jesus to save you, then you have received him and you are a child of God. But if you're here and you've not yet called on Jesus to save you, you can admit that need this morning. You can repent. You can turn from your sin and you can call on Jesus to save you. You too can be called a child of God. And we have to remember that Jesus is and was the greatest gift ever given. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way to the platform as we prepare to finish our time together this morning. So as they make their way, I want to ask a series of questions. And the first question that I want to ask is to anyone in the room who has not made the decision to follow Jesus. Have you received the gift of eternal life? Well, you can give your heart and your life to Jesus today. You can call on Jesus to save you this morning, that that you can identify this morning, you can recognize the need that you have, that you are a sinner, and because of your sin, you are separated from this God who sent himself through the person of Jesus to pay the price for your sin. And you can call on the name of Jesus this morning, and he will save you. And why can we trust that Jesus will save us? Because he came and paid the price for your sin. That there was a penalty for your sin. And the penalty for your sin was death and separation forever in a place called hell from this God. I believe that there is a place called hell and people who don't know Jesus are going there. And Jesus believed the same thing. So he came and he lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And he went to the cross of Calvary and he bore all of your iniquities. He took on himself all of your sin. In humility, he paid the price for your sin. He emptied himself for you. And he did that so that you might receive the gift of eternal life. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never made a decision You've never called on the name of Jesus to save you. Then why wait? Don't wait another second. Don't wait another millisecond. Do it right now. Just call on Jesus to save you. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And he'll do it. He will save you. Maybe you'd like to talk about that. I would love to sit down with you and have that conversation about how God paid the price for your sin and he offers you the greatest gift that you have ever received today or would ever receive. And then for the Christian this morning, have you shared the gift of Jesus with anyone? If Jesus is the greatest gift ever given, have you ever given that gift to anyone? The challenge is simple. God brought us Jesus, and we bring Jesus to the world. And so have you taken the gospel to anyone? And so we want to encourage you this week, Christian, member, 
participants in West Hill Baptist Church to share and invite someone to come and see, to come and know, to come and receive the greatest gift that has ever been given. It's time for all of us to put this vision of build, share, and bring. Build the relationship, share the story, and bring others to come and see into action because our God is a bringer. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And he brought us the greatest gift, and his name is Jesus. So who are you bringing? And who will you bring next week? You see, Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he didn't already do. He came to us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning for who you are and what you've done. We're thankful for the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that he is enough. Oh God, we are so, so, so thankful for Jesus this morning. So God, I pray that as we take some time to reflect as a church on this greatest gift, that we wouldn't forget to share it. That we would build those relationships, that we would share the story of the gospel, and we would bring others to come and see, to come and know, to come and receive. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand this morning as we sing together.